There's a, a verse in Daniel that said, or he had explained to um, the dream to the king here, Nebuchadnezzar, and he said he will be driven out until um, he has found what God says here. And I, I just want to read a part. Till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. God is in control of the world, of the universe. He sets up kings. So what is our response to that? We, in our faith and practice, have a phrase on non-resistance, and I would like to share on that this morning. And, and why do we believe in non-resistance? And if you don't know what that means, it's non-resistance, no resistance. And I'll warn you, it's not natural for man to, to practice that. I mean, there's something in us that when we are threatened, we want to protect, and we become resistant instead of non-resistance. Um, in our faith and practice, it does talk about the, the government and our relationship to, to that. But I think non-resistance goes far more than that, and I want to explain that as I go down through here. If we look at the world around us, we know that, um, well, Jesus told his disciples that when you see the end approach, the love of many will wax cold. And so the love of people toward each other is going to suffer relationships. People are wanting, well, maybe break into your house and, and not have any guilt for doing that. Or it also says evil will abound. And so what, what man has in his heart, he's going to do. So how do you practice non-resistance in that type of a setting where people are pretty, feel pretty free about going to um, taking things that are yours? Christ taught it. Um, if I was to look up a verse, non-resistance, I wouldn't find it in the Bible. But the principle of non-resistance is taught throughout Christ's teaching in the New Testament. He taught it, and he also lived it. And if you want to look at Christ's life, especially when he gets to the end, I mean, there were many times throughout his ministry that they sought to kill him, and he would suddenly disappear or walk through and, and so on. But when he got to the end, when his time was up, he could have fought what was coming ahead. But Jesus sat, um, sat there, and lots of times he didn't say anything. They mocked him. They spit at him. They hit him. They beat him. And yet, he sat there and took it. 
Why? Because he had us in mind and what he was going to do for us. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and I would like to, I want to read one verse, but I want you to read with me because that is so powerful verse that we need as Christians. Um, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Okay, I still hear pages rustling, and as soon as that's done, I'll Together, let's read it. Okay, you ready? Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So what is he saying here? If you don't practice non-resistance or peace or holiness, you will not see the Lord. And that's a sobering, I think, as I read and reread that, that's, that's very a challenge for us in today's society. And I think if we look past back in the history, we've not always practiced non-resistance or followed peace with some of the men, with evil, with our enemies, No, he says, follow peace with all men. And that includes our enemies. That includes our our government leaders. That includes everyone. And if you don't practice that, you will not see the Lord. So I want you to get that into your heads. Okay, I want to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Following peace, and I'll, for a little bit, emphasize that quite a bit because we need that in this, um, the age that we're living in. Let's follow peace. Then Jesus taught, or Jesus would have used through another man, Taught in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Okay, so we have accepted Christ as our Savior, and we are now part of him. He's challenging us now to put on holy, beloved, bowels, getting it confused here a little bit. Put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies. So lots of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Put on non-resistance. And part of non-resistance is, I think, or some of the words included in that, in seeking peace, is to, to be kind to show mercy, 
to be a humbleness of mind, to be meek or, or humility and patience through long-suffering. He's asked us to put that on as, as Christians. In Romans chapter 14, verse 19, I'll read this quickly. You don't have to turn to it. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. So he's, he, he's encouraging us to follow after the things that make for peace. And think about the, and being involved in the government and being uh, going to war. And is that making peace? We would say, well, yeah. I mean, it's given me peace, uh, the America peace from another country if they want to invade. But it doesn't. It doesn't make for peace for the other people. It's just going out there and destroying them. And then we say we have peace. But remember, all men. And that includes broken relationships. That includes our enemies. We work for peace. And we want to build up each other. And I think that's an area where, again, I think we can improve. And so often in the Mennonite circles, especially, or I should say the conservative circles, there's a lot of infightings over, over my lifetime, and churches split and, and so on. What is missing there? Well, I don't know the, all the stories behind it, but I think there are some that don't seek peace. Maybe we seek our own wills. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 to 21. We are encouraged to live peacefully, but he also encourages us in another area. Romans 12, 18 to 21. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that is so good. But so hard, you know, because of that inward of protecting self. And if somebody hurts us, we want revenge. We want to retaliate. But he's saying here that um, let me take the responsibility of vengeance. Let me take the responsibility of taking care of that situation. What's your responsibility or what's our responsibility is seek peace. So if someone is in that situation where we desire to retaliate or, or seek revenge, we need to seek peace. So in doing that, we look for an area where we can bless that person, do good to that person, and then let God take care of the rest. And I think there's a lot involved in that. 
Because if we give, and I'll get into that a little bit later again, but if we give and if we meet somebody, go beyond what's, what is desired by so often, that takes away the anger and it takes away the bitterness in our hearts toward that person. So if, if someone does wrong to me, I don't seek to hurt them. I seek to love them. So how do I do that? Well, you know, buy them something. Send them something in the, a mail, a card or something. Um, do something with them. Take them out for coffee or um, bake them something. Or, you know, there's a lot of things that you could, if you really want to, you can um, come up with something that you can do to bless them. That's heaping coals of fire on their heads. And then in doing that, God can change their hearts and he can work with them a lot easier. But if there's anger and bitterness and we come to the point where we want to sue the individual, God can't, I mean, he can, but it's, it's harder to work with, a, with someone in that situation. So our responsibility is to love. Now I want to go to Matthew 5, and that's a verse that talks a little bit about, again, what I just said. But verse 38, I want to read the remaining 10 verses of chapter 5, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, Jesus practiced these things. And I can't imagine the Son of God... We're celebrating Christmas. The Son of God coming down to us, to earth, and then to be treated the way he was and not lash out or hit back like we would. I would say it took a lot of restraint on his part, but I think it was easy for him because of his love for us. Okay, he, ye have heard that it hath been said, so in the past, in the Old Testament, it had been taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. And ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brother, only what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect as your Father, which in heaven is perfect. And I think Jesus is talking here of how we treat all men, not just those of our, of our like faith. 
Resist not evil. And I don't think he's saying that we resist evil, but it's, it's, it's um, resist not evil. So he's encouraging us to live peacefully, but he's encouraging us to not resist what the other person is doing to us. Resist not the evil person, you might read. So someone comes up to us and pokes our eye out, then we just give our other eye. If someone comes up and knocks a tooth out, shall we say here, knock the tooth out on my other side? It don't make sense, does it? And I would say it don't make sense to me of why you would let someone hit you and then you tell them to hit me again. But I think Jesus is saying here, uh, uh, practicing something that human nature can't do unless, unless they're Christians, unless they have a love for their fellow men, their enemies, love their enemies, love, love the people that are around you, whether they're like faith or whether they're not. We still love. And in doing that, we can let them do that. But I think there is something about if you allow someone to do again to what they've just done to you, I think there's, it does something to that individual. And Jesus knows that. We may not know, but Jesus knows that. That's why he says, do it. Because, you know, if we are to seek peace, our ultimate goal is to bring that person to Christ. So our response should be in a way for them to start thinking, wow, what makes this guy so different? He also says if someone sues thee and takes away your coat, give him thy coat also. And I don't know if we've had, I've never had to work with someone suing me, and I hope I, I never do. But again, that's hard. You know, they're suing you for what you have, and now they want to take more than that, or you give them that and more. It's hard for us to do, but yet Jesus teaches that. And so we, we try to practice. If we give more than we required, then that love for that person is a, a deepening love. You know, if I just give what I'm required, so often bitterness can set in. Re- revenge, retaliate. I don't, I don't like this. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to fight for it. But if we give more than we're asked, then it's, it's releasing that anger and bitterness to the other person. 
and it's just uh, demonstrating Christ's love for for them and for the other person. So how do we practice non-resistance today? If I was to ask you, like if I would ask Kevin, what do you think of voting? And then I would ask Tara what he thinks of voting. You probably have that much difference of opinion. If I was to ask about um, jury duty, it'd be the same way. You know, the argument that we have so often, it doesn't hold a lot of water either way. But the one question I would like to, to ask in, in all that, and I don't know how you stand on that, where's your kingdom? Who's, who's your king? You know, the separation of, of church and state. And I think the more we're involved in, in the state, it's harder to separate church from state. And we say, well, we're, we're living amongst them. We got to be, a, you know, we, it's in, in, inevitable that we're going to be, have to take part in something. And it's true. Right, right now, there are some who, a lot of us have got jury duty letters and some, you know, got released through, the, through your response and others haven't. They still had to report. But I don't think the one or the other is going to be condemned for what they're doing. But I do know that uh, the judges think that Christians should be involved in this jury process because they need us. But yet we feel the separation. So again... I don't know how you stand on it, and I don't know if you can make a, a specific say this, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Because I think we have an opportunity to witness to, to the people there as we stand before them and answer the judge's questions or the lawyer's questions, uh, whether you're qualified to be on, on the jury. So... Where's your kingdom? Where's your focus? If my kingdom is of this world, if you would, well, I'll read John chapter 8, verse 36. John 18, 36. He says, Jesus' answer says, my kingdom is not of this world. So if we're following if we have accepted Christ as our king, then our kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants, then would my servants fight that I should be delivered to the Jews and not to the kingdom from, not from hence. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So since our kingdom is not of this world, 
do we have a right to kill? Um, first of all, I say we have no place in the New Testament teaching where we are to take someone's life to save our own. If you think you can find it, let me know. But it talks a lot about giving our life, giving our life for each other, giving our lives as a living sacrifice, as you read in Romans chapter 12. Our body belongs to God. So is it if someone breaks into your house and you have a gun, do you feel like you can shoot back? If someone comes in and wants to harm you you and your family, do you have a right to protect yourself? I know with this whole process of transferring of power and stuff, um, I just heard, now I forget, it's like 38 million new gun owners. And I don't know, maybe you're one of them, but would you ever use a gun on somebody? You'd say, well, I, you know, you put fear in a heart when you pull a gun out. But if they kept coming, what would you what would you do? I think Jesus taught that, didn't he? When he says, put away your sword. Because if you use your sword, you'll perish with the sword. And so I'm saying, you know, if we have guns to protect ourselves, are we eventually going to suffer because because of that. Well, we don't know. But Jesus taught peace. So how do we teach peace in the midst of fighting? Um, going to war, like I mentioned, fighting the individuals that come through the door, pulling your knife on someone. You know, what is our response? Now you'd say, well, that's pacifism. Do I just let people do to me what I want? Do I believe in that? Pacifism is when I seek peace, but I go and protest and, and go to, um, yeah, I go to protest to promote peace with everyone. So really... I'm involved in the government. I'm, I'm telling the government what to do. And I think that's kind of the problem that we have as Christians being the bad light to the, to the world is because of our, what the world sees in us, how we respond. You know, when we start telling the government what to do and then they tell us what to do and we say, well, no, that's, violates my rights. You know, what, what are they going to think? They're going to say, huh, I don't see non-resistance in their life. So what, do, what is my response when I'm threatened? 
Well, I think the, the first thing that you do is cry out to God and, and do it verbally so that the other person can, can hear it. And I've read stories of those that have, that they, someone was wanting to um, assault another person, and that person cried out to God, and that person fled for unknown reasons. But I've also read stories of those who, who died, and we all know the story of Jim Elliott, how he, in Ecuador, went to these people, and they killed them. And we'd say, well, why didn't they fight? Why didn't they stand for their rights, take guns with them and all that stuff? But yet, because of the death of Jim Elliott and the, well, there's two others, missionaries, many people were touched, and many missionaries um, Many people became missionaries because of that um, example. And also, what's really touching is to see that many of the tribe that killed them became Christians. So what is my response? Am I giving an opportunity to have God show himself to me? You know, think about what God, can God protect? I'm in a situation like that. Is, is God going to turn his eyes, turn his head to us? No, he won't. And they'll say, well, but he, he died. God didn't protect. But we have no idea of what God can do because of that death. So Jesus said that we are to seek peace, we are to um, submit to our authorities. And I would like to go to Romans chapter 13. <clears throat> and that's a question that I think all of us, again, probably in some ways disagree, is what is our response to the government? What is our response to the government if they um, uh, shouldn't use this word, but mask? What is our response to the government if they ask us to close our churches down? You know, we're, we're facing that decision. So what is our response? Well, Romans 13, um, I would like to read the first seven verses, but I want you to think of the setting here in Romans. He was talking to the Christians that were under the Roman rule and that were very cruel. And Jesus was telling us or telling them their response to the, to the leaders. We've been blessed. We haven't had a lot of cruel leaders in our past history. Some we question their, some of the decisions they make. But it's been pretty decent for us. 
So do we have any idea what it would be like to be persecuted? I would say we have no idea. And, you know, if, if the church, if the government starts controlling the church, I just heard a, a situation in New York where the governor is asking the church leaders to send to the state uh, who were at church and their names and so on. And I would say that's going a little too far. So there is a point somewhere along the way where the government goes too far in the church. And I think that's where there's a lot of difference of opinion. And I think, well, let me read verse uh, Romans 13. Let us, let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that we are ordained of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. Think about that. Resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a tear to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Therefore, you must needs be subject or be under, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for, for this cause, pay ye tribute, and for, also for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So there's two things I got out of this. That is, we are to submit to our authorities. And we are to pay our taxes. In I think in doing this, you know, he says we should pray for our government rulers. There's no room for protests. There's no room to go to the courthouse and stand up because of maybe what the president is doing. But we are to pray. And what do we pray for? You know, God put them in there for this, for a purpose. So we pray not, I mean, we can pray that they'll change and be softened maybe in their, in their leading, but we pray for their salvation. In Romans 2, chapter 4, it says, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So if you're going to lead these people to Christ, we have to do good. 
we can't be standing in the courthouse screaming at the top of our lungs. And we can't be sending letters, uh, nasty letters to them. And, but we have to be under their authority. And we have to pay our taxes. And so again, how far you go, I don't know. And everyone has um, difference of opinions. But I think the question that I can really ask you, and you could answer for yourself, is really what part of, what kingdom are you a part of? What are you pursuing in life? Are you pursuing the things of God? Are we teaching the things of Christ? Are we seeking peace with our men and with our, our enemies? Or are we trying to figure out in life of how far I can go to before I, um, are, I'm no longer under the leadership uh, submission of, of the government. So anyways, um, there's a lot of articles that you can read that we should be, get involved. We should, you know, if you're, we're going to change what's happening, we need to get out there and vote, and we need to get out there and protest, and we need to stand up for our rights. Well, really, what rights do we have here in America? The only rights so far that we have is we can worship God. And I want to be able to do that. And I want my example and your example to be that light of Christ as we go into the world and we see evil around them and people doing things that we cringe but seek peace. The peace of God will be with you.